listening to CORE, a show on Code Zero Radio that plays bands located in the Fox Cities, a show to find and discover new music. Hosted by Andy McNamara. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fox City's Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. If this is your first time tuning in to WCZR, we are an independent streaming rock station based out of the Appleton, Wisconsin area. Lots of great stuff on the station. You should check out our website at live.codezeroradio.com. This show that we're doing now is a live show, so if you've got a question for the band, feel free to call in, get your pencil out, and write this number down, 920-358-0795. So moving on to my guests. Adama is a new project based out of Appleton, Wisconsin. It's made up of members of past bands like the Wild Birds, Vindicated, and Number One Fan. You might have seen them recently opening shows for My One and Only and Tay and the Neighborly. My Town is the name of their latest single. I'd like to welcome Adama to Fox City's Core. How are you guys doing today? Great. It's Adama. Adama? Adama. Yeah. Like Adam. That's embarrassing. <laughs> That's okay. There's no phonetic, you know, there's no phonetic parenthetical comment. So let's let's start right off there. When you're thinking of a band name, like, okay, Adama. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, that makes sense now that I'm saying it. But when, you, when you're thinking of coming up with a band name, what kind of process did you guys go through to, to come to consensus on, on Adama? I mean, you just you can't be the Beatles. <laughs> can't be the Rolling Stones, so you kind of have to just come up with other names. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I think it's just how you come up with a band name is kicking it around. You know, there's some concept or something that's floating around there, and you want to <laughs> pick a band name. I don't think there's a lot of people that like their band name. I'm not sure if we like our band name. <laughs> We actually did contemplate changing it at one point because there's a Swedish hardcore band um, called Adama as well. And we were like, are we going to get hit with a cease and desist? <laughs> and we were like, nah, we're nah, fine. <laughs> I think we're, we're okay. We're yeah, not we're crossing okay. in the same realm as Swedish hardcore. <laughs> yeah. so. So, so did you guys Google that stuff when you were trying to think of what to, to name the band? Or obviously you found the Swedish band after you decided? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the concept of the band name, like Adama, Adama means dirt. And so there's just, I really like the concept of, um, you know, something, some life being breathed into something that is dust or dirt or something, you know, physical, something spiritual going through something that's physical. So like this concept of the Adama is pretty, like that, that concept to me is a pretty big deal. Like, I love that. I love that concept. i I want to try to have that be something that happens, you know, in my life and in this band where something more is going on behind the music. So, yeah, it does sound like a new metal band, though, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and we're really into new metal. Yeah, <laughs> super. <laughs> so let's uh, let's go down the line and get your names so the the viewers oh, yeah. kind of know who if, if we're doing using names later, they know who everybody is. Uh, yeah, I'm Ben. I play guitar in the band. I'm Jonathan. I sing, play drums, and bring snacks to band practice. That's true. 
Alex, the soccer mom of the band. That's right. <laughs> we get orange that's, slices after the game. That's one of my roles. <laughs> I'm Simon, and I play bass. Oh, sweetie, you got to hang on your chin. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> what was it? I don't know. Oh, so you guys have played it in projects before, different levels, and did you guys music was that something you guys started doing at an early age or was that something started later later in your teens yeah i mean i've been playing guitar since i was like 14 but i've only been good this past year so yeah i started playing and uh i've been like a couple bands like when i was in high school i was in a folk cover band um and then i was in uh i was in like a little bit of a punk rock band called teenage moms a few years ago but yeah these guys have more interesting stories than I <laughs> Now, I didn't know you were in a folk cover band. Did you know that? Yeah, we were called Caleb and the Carrots, and I was the front man. My name's not Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> were people shouting Caleb to you? Did no. people call you Caleb? No, Caleb was the guitar player. And, uh, oh, okay. Because I wanted to be called Carrots and Heroin because I thought it was really funny. Because um, carrots are supposed to be good for your eyesight, and heroin is not. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, why are we at them up? I didn't know we have those as options. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, so, Jonathan. Yes, Andy. <laughs> you had... Uh, quite quite an experience with number one fan and then that morphed into the wild birds i did uh how did you get involved like with number one fan that started in it was a high school band right that's how it, it started high school yeah we we the the real story is that we met in youth group at church <laughs> and we joined the youth group band together and that's how we started playing and then there was this youth group talent show and their drummer couldn't make it and they asked me if I'd play drums for them. And so we played B.B. Uh, Mac, Until You're Back Here, Baby, I think is what the song is called. And then the song in uh, Billy Madison, Billy Passed the Third Grade. And we won the church talent show, like dominated the church talent show. And uh, it was... That sucks. <laughs> I mean, is that true? Is that, that true? true? Did that really happen? Is that true? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, and then we started hanging out and playing together, and then their drummer left, and number one fan was already kind of happening, and then I think when I joined the band, it was, let's do this, let's be serious about this, let's be, you know, let's tighten up the pants a little bit, and, and play, when, some, play some indie rock. And then that, that band morphed into... Or Emo, as, emo, one, was, yeah. as one would call it. Yeah. Emo back then, I think, was short for emotional. Right. You guys recorded at Smart Studios in Madison at one point. Yeah. Uh, do you remember who your engineer was? Justin Perkins. Justin Perkins. Justin per- The Justin Perkins. You know Justin Perkins? Justin Perkins is a god. Really? Yeah. Not the god. Hey God. <laughs> He's a Wisconsin legend, as you know. Yeah. He's uh, the owner of Mystery Room uh, Mastering and Recording. And Is that in Milwaukee or is that in Madison? I think it's in Madison now. Okay. But he, he engineered your project at Smart Studios. Yeah. And as you know, he's got a, a great ear. He does. And so you did the, uh, the one recording at Smart, and then that 
led to you getting signed or resigned before that on Pat's? We were signed. We were signed before that. So we signed to Pat's record company. Um, we did. How we met Justin was what was the name of that studio that Eric? Smart. Was it? Oh, Simple no. Studios in Green yeah, Bay. Simple. Yeah. In Green Bay. Yeah. So we met uh, Eric. He was the producer. Do you know Eric? Eric was in Eric Boris the Sprinkler. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and. So he was one of the Eric's in the band, and he re- like he was an amazing producer and really helped Number One Fan like kind of craft our sound and took a lot of a lot of time and then Justin Perkins engineered it. So that was 2003 or 2004 that we did that with Eric and Justin, and then we kept working with Justin as time went on. But that album, that first album with Number One Fan, that's what got assigned to Pat's record company. So Pat's record company bought that that album. They were like, yeah, we'll just repress it. And then we were making, we went to um, Madison to do, I think we were recording a second album that didn't come out until way later of number one fan music. But that's what we did in Madison, yeah. Was that a... Uh kind of did the response to the that album snowball pretty quickly and how was it to to deal with that kind of like all of a sudden attention on you with the with the second album like well how it worked was we went we did the first number one fan album and then we went into the studio or we toured for like a, a couple years and that's where we just like hit the road really hard and and so it was like two and a half years of just kind of going for it and then when we started writing more music and all of that, and we got off the road and it was time to do another album, it was things, we didn't like it at all. We didn't like the second album. We didn't like the music. We started to listen to different music. We were like, this is, this is not great. We recorded a whole album and then it was just like, it's kind of sucked. And we're like, none of us are interested in this. And so what we did is we, uh, became a whole different band with the same guys and the Wild Birds. So and that was like a, a by listening to different music and trying to find our sound and trying to discover who we were, we just went completely an opposite direction of where we came from. <laughs> was there <laughs> who we were? Was there a lot of pushback from from people that you were working with at the time to kind of stay in that you know band that you guys had? already done two albums for and that I'm sure people were sort of banking on, you know, continuing was there pressure to and push back to kind of stick with the emo genre and just kind of continue on that path. Was right that off, hard? Right off into the sunset of 2012 <laughs> 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 when that genre ended. Um, wait, is it still happening? Oh, it's still happening, buddy. <laughs> oh, okay. But we, I, a little bit, I think our friends were like, I mean, Simon, I think Simon can speak to this. But at the time, it's like, you guys are douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what it was, where it's like, you guys met in youth group. You're freaking youth group kids. Like, you grew up in church. You you met in a church band. Like, Don't, you have no street cred. Yeah, like, sex, drugs, and rock and roll is like, the that's the furthest thing from 
I think where where we came from. And to, so to do that, I think that was the biggest pushback. The biggest pushback was like from our friends going, "Are you seriously acting like this? You you know like cowboy boots and <laughs> and you bandanas know. and yeah." I so they practiced, especially when they were writing the second album. They practiced in my garage well my mom's garage but <clears throat> that's a good name for a band my mom's garage. <laughs> um, changing it <laughs> we're changing our name now <laughs> so they wrote the second number one fan album mostly there mm-hmm. um and to me like out of all the music that 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 group of guys did together that was hands down my favorite because to me that was the most them so i don't know if you still think it just totally sucks but that was my favorite album. I still like it, and I still listen to it. But, uh, yeah, when they became the Wild Birds, it was like, you guys are really trying to be somebody you're not. Yeah. And it sucked. <laughs> like, like they were really good at it. They were really good at trying to imitate something, but it felt, for me, it felt like an imitation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was. It was just kind of like, what is what is cool became... Have you ever, have you ever seen the movie Almost Famous? It's been a long time. I don't remember much. Everything is about like the difference between being real and being cool. You know, there's this huge dichotomy in the movie about where the mom is the actually the most real character in the whole movie, and she's you know like a college professor, and she speaks her mind, and then everyone else is just in the rock and roll realm is just trying to put on this facade of like. We're just cool. We're just so carefree. We don't even think about it. it. Just you know, all this just amazing music, you know, just happens out of nowhere, and it's just like, oh, you're so full of full of yourself, you know. And that dichotomy of that the main character is the kid choosing between those two worlds of who who he wants to be. Does he want to be real? Does he want to be honest and unmerciful? Like, I will recommend that movie to anyone. Where it's like that's a it's a pretty decent view of like what's going on with people that are trying to portray themselves as these really deep <laughs> rock stars, and then behind the scenes they're going, just Andy, just make us look cool, <laughs> okay? Can you just edit this? Right. <laughs> Can you just edit this interview so that we look cool and people will like us and all of that? Like that's really what's going on behind the scenes. So that's I I think a lot of it became that where we're if you're not going to dig deep, deeper into yourself as a person, if you're not going to discover who you are, then you have to kind of change your clothes. You have to change your hairstyle. You have to change your music. If you're a musician, you have to change all of these external things in order to feel like you're a different person. Meanwhile, it was like I became more and more and more insecure, more and more <clears throat> like, you know, more emo <laughs> but I just buried it down of just like Mr. Carefree Rock and Roll. Mm. But that was a lot of what was going on, yeah. We had a, a comment in here from uh, Justin Keel. He said that uh, the Wild Birds were the Robins first. Mm. Well, well, well said, Justin Keel. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, Justin. Um, we were the Robins, and we had to change our band name because the movie Pulp Fiction had a song from the this band in the 1950s called the robins mm. so we got and we didn't get into some legal trouble but we looked it up and we couldn't be the robins 
and the wild birds were born. And the wild birds. <laughs> that's right. And I don't want a good title though. It's a good name. Uh, it's, a, it's an awesome band name. So yeah, I was just gonna say I felt so the reason I felt like it was forcing something was, like you said, these guys met in church. They were a church youth group band to start with, and I feel like it's like the homeschool kid thing that happens where you have so many limitations <laughs> growing up that when wait we can do whatever we That's want good. we're adults and you just swing way too hard the other way i feel like that happened for a little bit and yeah. i feel like that's what it was we ate ice cream for dinner just <laughs> it was just there was so much ice cream andy we were just covered in it it wasn't healthy it wasn't it safe healthy, man oh. <laughs> the, the wild birds did i mean they had success you guys had some songs that were on i think uh, NFL when Brett Favre threw this. 421st touchdown. Yeah, that was the song 421, right? Really? Yeah. I did not know that. And I, I was a, I was a fan of the Wild Birds. Like it, you me, guys. Me too. It, it you know, yeah. and I guess like depending on what kind of type of music you like. Yeah. I mean, I was number one fan. It was definitely on my radar. I didn't listen to them a whole lot, but when the Wild Birds came out, I mean, that was right up my alley. Yeah. But if it's something you're not feeling. You know, and it, like Simon kind of said, it, you're sort of forcing something. But I mean, I still, the songs still stand up in my opinion. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, I think that the music, the music was, the music was good. Like, I think a lot of us grew up listening to rock and roll. Um, I think a lot of us were really into that, into that music. I mean, it's. That's what happens is we started listening to, you know, Jimmy Eat World and Dashboard Confessional and, and all of that. And you keep digging and digging and digging and you find the source of where a lot of that music came from. And now you're listening to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and, you know, Tom Petty, et cetera, et cetera. And you're going like, oh, I want to make music like this. <laughs> and I think that's a natural process for, for people to want to get down to like kind of those rock and roll until eventually all of us are listening to the blues you know in, in someone's basement you know playing vinyl records and going this is it yeah. no this is the music man he's got to swing it exactly so we're in a smoky room in someone's basement wow. someone's offering you drugs not andy <laughs> but you know like but i i think that's what happens so but i don't I, it's the whole persona, like, just be yourself. Be yourself. You can play whatever music you want. One of the thoughts that I've had is I think it would have been interesting to be a number one fan and change the sound completely. Hmm. Like one of the bands I love so much is Arcade Fire. I love Arcade Fire. And every album they put out is like, this is a new band. Like, I always, and I always see their albums as like, these are individual bands just different and, iterations exactly yeah. and they're kind of discovering themselves they're discovering their music and i like that it's like you know or even someone like ed sheeran who releases his latest album and it's like super poppy and everyone goes you know can we swear on this show if you want but maybe bleep it out just for okay. our younger listeners bleep ed sheeran you know <laughs> <laughs> but you know and that, that's where a lot that's where a lot of people you know, a lot of people will, will say, like, when an artist releases an album, a new album, they're like, oh, this is so different. It's such a departure. It sucks. But I think that there's a lot of 
a lot of beauty in that and i think that artists should be able to do that and be able to become a a new and interesting musician i think as time goes on yeah i don't want to like spend the whole show talking about you know the wild birds and number one fan but why not but, but, but. <laughs> we're not Andy. Come on, man. But, but the hard question. So, what what ultimately caused the demise of that um, period of the Wild Birds? Me. No. Um, <laughs> a gun. It's <laughs> a side of that. Um, man, we were in. We were. In Sudbury, Ontario, in a blue shuttle bus that we converted to run on vegetable oil, <laughs> used fryer grease. And it was one of the saddest, most miserable times in my life. And I think in like just being confronted by the fact of this is where this path has led us to. This is where we're we're ending up or me just i'll just speak personally where i'm like we have no money we're broke we're in a shuttle bus it's in northern canada or you know wherever and it was just it was just miserable yeah and i kind of got into music in a lot of ways not not just because i love music but because i want to be in a band like being in a band is freaking spectacular being in a band is so much fun with a group of guys that you have a purpose and you're you get to hang out with and play music and create stuff with i think that's why a lot of us are like yeah you could just play why don't you just be a solo project why don't you be a solo artist why don't you go and gig around at all these things i think people go no i want to be in a band yeah like that it's this this brotherhood well i I stopped feeling that, and I felt more and more and more and more disconnected, more and and more and more like a you know a, a 15, 16 year old who's just massively insecure and not knowing what to do, and and I was just like, I was ready to start over, mm-hmm. and I did not want to let's change the band name, change the music. I didn't want, and I could see that coming. I'm like. Maybe we should be a techno band, <laughs> you know. And I could just like feel this like feeling of like, uh oh, we're gonna do this again, and it's gonna be worse. We already did the change the the, the yeah. thing. We already did all uh, change the clothes and style. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. So it was just eventually. Let's. I, I think it. Uh, I kind of feel responsible because I was like, I'm I'm done. I had no I had no more energy to give and. Uh, I moved back in with my parents. They were living in Illinois at the time, and then just basically said, "See you later." We had one. We kind of two more shows. We had one show in Aspen, Colorado, at the X Games, and I was done. Just you know, skiing in the Rockies for free in this amazing chalet, getting put up, playing at the X Games was just like, I want to go home. And that's when I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is done. So pretty, <laughs> pretty serious. Um, Existential kind of, crisis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in, in Illinois, your parents are in Illinois. They're in Woodstock. They or, were in Woodstock. How do you know that? Did you check? <laughs> did you did you check out the uh, the uh, the Groundhog's Day sites there? That's 
Andy, how did you know this? How did you know the Woodstock, Illinois? It's my job. Dude! Good for you. Are his parents safe right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nice. Did, did you, you. Yeah, you recreate that's it? I worked. I worked at, in... I worked in Groundhog's Day. <laughs> no, I worked in the Woodstock Square at the Starbucks when everything fell apart. So, you know, where Punxsutawney Phil has his big moment in that... What, what, what do you call it? Gazebo? That? The gazebo, thank you. You said chalet earlier, which I always said shallot, so I felt kind of... Oh, that you cook with a shallot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a sweeter onion. Yeah. <laughs> like sweeter Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, team. <laughs> You're definitely going to cook that until it's about a little translucent. <laughs> now, on the side, we'd like to, we actually were here to talk about the cookbook that we have. <laughs> cooking with Adam. It's called, it's called Cooking with Adam. Cooking with Dirt. <laughs> cooking with Dirt. So, so, Woodstock, and you were born in Canada? That's right. Okay, so you, why did your parents move down to, to uh, it was, it Midwest? Was, it was expensive. My dad's American, my mom's Canadian. So. We, it was really difficult, I think, to live there. Taxes were really high, and I think my parents were struggling financially. And I think my dad, you know, wanted to move closer to my, to kind of his parental figures, like his uncle and aunt. And so that's when we made the trip across the border. Uh, How old were you at that point? I was about 12. Was the culture pretty similar as far as you know i don't know social social culture the same canada i've been to once (laughs) yeah canada's in in my opinion is kind of like a cool cross between the states and europe like it's in it's in that place so that you have the the like the sarcasticness of (laughs) europe but you also have the the politeness. So, you know, I didn't grow up saying what when someone asks you a question. You'd say, pardon me. You know, <laughs> it was very it was much, much more proper, I think, in, in Canada. And people were a lot more polite. And coming coming to this to the states in Wisconsin was kind of a major culture shock for me. Because, you know, if you if you grow up hearing your name Jonathan and then you move somewhere and everyone calls calls, starts calling you Jonathan (laughs) you're like is that me (laughs) am I Jonathan (laughs) but yeah moving to a small school and you know a smaller school from Canada and experiencing that yeah dude that sent me in a tizzy that was a lot that's my a lot of my life is from that from that move that move from Canada to Wisconsin dictated a lot of my life and the decisions that I've that I have made and and kind of having that safety net in a, in a sense being removed you know that familiarity and I think there's kids that handle moving really well and it's really exciting for certain kids not for me Andy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're well, uh, Jonathan. We're gonna give you a break. You've, uh, we don't want you to overheat, so we're gonna move on to Simon for just <laughs> oh, a little hey, bit. Oh, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Any other questions? You want to talk about my dad? <laughs> you want to talk about my my my, my parents? Oh, anyway, I'll field all questions about your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Simon, you're in a band called Vindicated. You want Tell- me to follow this? <laughs> <laughs> Vindicated? Um, yeah, it was a like it was a Christian metal band, so it was the same thing. A bunch of youth group kids. Um, they had a drummer, so I played drums in that band, and they had a drummer. Um, and I really wanted to be in a band, so I slowly became friends with the guys and. They had some issues with their drummer, and so I slowly pushed him out, <laughs> like a good Christian kid does, <laughs> manipulates his way into a situation um, someone else, at someone else's expense. And so I did that. I'll show you the passages later. <laughs> Go ahead and put those those verses on the screen. Amy. <laughs> Call the blanking number at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did that, and. They were like, that was when, like, I don't think any, the three of us have been like part of the music scene in quite a long time, but there was like a handful of venues that, you know, would pack out, like when Jonathan and I were high school age and stuff like that, like a lot of kids would go out to shows and maybe that still happens. I don't know. But, but with Vindicated, that was, that was it. We got like a cool following around here and then, um, we got serious enough about it after we were all out of high school that, um, you know, we did some like short, not touring, but like, you know, gone for five, six days, um, doing festivals and playing with other metal bands. And then, uh, tooth and nail, it's just like a, it was like a big alternate alternative record company, uh, for Christian stuff. MXPX was on Christian stuff. Oh, MXPX. MXPX was on Tooth and Nail. Yeah. And anyway, so we started talking with them after we recorded an EP at Simple Studios and Justin did all the engineering again. And, um, and then, so that got some traction and stuff. So we did well in that world. We did really well with it. Um, and then I started playing, like it was the same thing. My musical taste just changed, and like I liked metal. Just I learned it just so I could be in a band. I had to learn double my double kick pedal really quick, and like, <laughs> um, but then I kind of did the same thing. I started hanging out around like Corey Chisel, going to his shows, and I befriended a bunch of those guys, and um, and then I on and off would play drums for Corey for like two years. And Jonathan did the same thing. He would sit on stuff when Jonathan was home from tours. But that was fun. That was mm-hmm. really cool because I actually really liked the music. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so that was kind of it, Vindicated and, and playing with Corey. Do you guys still talk to Corey? Have you talked about doing anything maybe at the Refuge? I don't know if the Refuge is really. I'm not sure if it is anymore. I If we run into him. You know, I think it's been a f- couple years since I hung out with him, or it's been a few years since mm-hmm. I hung out with him. Mm-hmm. But you ran into him a couple years ago, right? At a bar. Yeah. Oh, I think it was Mile of Music. Oh, yeah. That so, makes sense. But yeah, no, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. None of us are like close with him or stay in touch with him really anymore. Yeah. Never met him. Can you put in a good word for us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not friends with Corey. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> so. <laughs> So Simon and Jonathan, both drummers, then with this project, Simon's moving to bass. So Thank you. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, Jonathan. So John, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, so is there ever a situation where Jonathan's playing something and you're sort of over his shoulder saying, 
you know, hey, what are you doing? You should try this. Or no. <laughs> he was uh, not. Yeah, why question, don't you do that? Because you're way better than I ever was. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like Jonathan was fishing there with that comment. I know. I was actually trying to do the opposite. <laughs> but it did. It sounded like fishing. Yeah. Okay. Forever on the internet. Awesome. Um, yeah. I was just... I, I would say I was good. Like when I was playing drums a ton, I was good. Um, but I was never like a great drummer. Uh, like if I didn't have a click the end of the song would be a very different tempo than the start of the song <laughs> and stuff like that. So, and Jonathan just lays it down and I could never do that. Not the way he does it anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then a year ago, Jonathan was like, I want to get a band going and I like you guys, Simon, you're a drummer and you play guitar. And so I know you can play bass. So I've only been playing bass a year now we've been practicing like 10 months yeah so i had to pick it up pretty quick here's the thing about simon playing bass that is exciting to me is that being a drummer being a guitar player is like i i had this idea i mean ben and i kind of you know we we were scheming together Mm -hmm. about simon playing bass so but why am I finding out about this on a radio show? <laughs> because we're actually talking. <laughs> talk. Why don't we talk anymore? Why don't we talk? We don't ever talk, guys. I say this. I bring a snack. And I want to sit down. And I want to have a conversation. Okay? Uh, and I want to look at each other. I'm sorry for yelling. I'm sorry for yelling. I'm sorry. I was upset. Let me just take a beat. No, I'm just <laughs> But Ben and I were kind of scheming this of like, <clears throat> let's get Simon to play bass. Yeah. And we both had this feeling of like, Simon can kill it. We oh. feel like he could kill it on bass. For sure. Like rhythmically, he's really smart. Like what Simon plays is incredibly tasteful and he's got a great sense of, of rhythm and a great ear and he will n- like never play too much. It's like we're trying to help him you know, play more and practice more. And I realize it's been a long time. Wait, what's been? Oh, yeah. It hasn't so, been a long time. Tasteful is another word of say, way of saying I don't have the abilities to play more than that already. But, okay, so... A really nice way of saying it, yeah. Right, and I did want to say that without saying it. No, um, <laughs> but... So Simon, rhythmically, melodically, is just like he's set up to be, yeah. an, I believe, a very prolific bassist. Yeah. If he, I think if he continues, where it's like you, you got it or you don't have it. Yeah. I think Simon's got it. Not that he's got, like, not Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> um, you guys have played. You said you, you were practicing for 10 months before the, the first show. Uh-huh. During that 10 months, were you working on writing original material were you kind of bouncing around some old ideas or playing some cover songs how did you guys sort of start getting this this band started well all of the songs are jonathan's songs um he wrote all of them and they're some of them are older ones that he that him and i have been playing for like a really long time he just reworked some lyrics for them because uh we're worship leaders at a church um called music of life church we weren't going to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> um and uh and he took some of those songs and he made them secular 
Um, and, uh, we started, we started with those and then he just like showed up one day and he was just like, I wrote a pop song and we were like, cool. And, uh, yeah, we just been playing a bunch of those now. So we got like eight or nine songs right now. That's right. right. Yeah. So is, is my town the only one that is recorded at this point? Uh, we got another one that's recorded, but I have not worked on it at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Ben Ben did all the the engineering and it's not great, but <laughs> right, but yeah. So he he did he did all of that for my town and then yeah. another song. But we were like, we need to get good yeah. <laughs> and play more. Like yeah. we wanted to play more shows versus kind of getting getting more stuff recorded yeah. how was the the experience playing your first show at the the tap room and then up at the lyric room was there any any nerves since it's been a you've been removed from from doing that for a while or was it something that just effortlessly got back into um so pretty much i'm always a nervous wreck beforehand um Thank you. <laughs> I'm pretty much always a nervous wreck beforehand, but as soon as we start playing it, the nerves go away from me, and I start having fun. Yeah, that's how it works for me. Yeah, I think for me, I got lucky because you know Taylor Greenwood, right, Andy? Yeah. Yeah. Love Taylor. So, shouts out. So. Yeah, shout out to Taylor Greenwood. Oh my gosh, he's our hero. Yeah. He's our currently our hero. Yeah. And his smile is like can brighten up. <sighs> Yeah. It can make you, if you're having a bad day, his smile will just cheer you right up. Oh, yeah. So any, How about that, Taylor? <laughs> anything we've done has pretty much been through Taylor so far. Yeah. He's just, he believes in us and he wants oh, to help dude. us as much as he can. So it's been really cool. Uh, I work with Taylor. I work, I'm a brewer at Stone Arch. So that's how we got to know Taylor and that's how we got the gig, the first one at, at the tap room at Stone Arch. So it felt like home to me. Like, so it wasn't real nerve-wracking. You know, there's a little bit, but it felt like home turf, so it wasn't... But then the lyric room was a lot of fun. Yeah. I feel like the whole... All this has happened so naturally um, and organically, and we haven't been trying to make anything happen, that yes. that we don't have a ton of expectations. Yeah. <laughs> We're not... And so it's just like, yeah, let's just go have fun. And it... I know people say that, but this is the first time I've legitimately felt like this is just fun. Yeah. Yeah. It helps when you like the other people in your band. Yeah. Yeah. These are two of my closest friends. So. Yeah. I think the, the, the first show, um, have you ever been to a dance recital, Andy? <laughs> I don't, I don't, think that, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Where like, you know, little kids wear spark, sparkly outfits. And sort of <laughs> no, like, I've never been to one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Wait, what have you been to? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dance recitals? Um, what kind of hotel is this? <laughs> um, but you go to a uh, a dance recital and there's all these kids in sparkly outfits and they, you know, do that and all the parents go, oh, that's so cute. But there's just nothing really inspiring about it. Yeah. You're not like, oh my god, that kid's an amazing dancer one day you're like oh they're politely clapping i think i was nervous that our fans like our friends really we don't have fans we have friends (laughs) as soon as i said fans i was like oh god no um our our friends and family that were at the show that very first show after we opened with my town when we played after that first song 
what I felt from everyone's clapping was was not a dance recital clap of like, good job, we're so proud of you for just doing what you want to do, guys. <laughs> you know, like, good yeah. for you. Because I think we've all been to that show oh, yeah. where you're like, oh, yeah, man, you guys in your band, you guys do what you do, you know? <laughs> you went up there and you were tight. You. <laughs> <laughs> you did your thing. Like, you guys look like you're having a lot of fun, you know? <laughs> and it's not like, I really like this band. Well, our, our friends and our family, I think, were relieved. That's what I felt <laughs> from that clap of, like, everyone's like, oh, thank God. Like... You guys don't suck. You don't <laughs> suck. Like, I can, not only can I support you, but I like yeah. this band. Yeah. And after that first song was over, it was just like, this is going to be so much fun. This is, and I think it became like this celebration of our friends and, and the community that we have together going like, we are actually creating something that is, that our, our friends and our family can love and get behind and not only support but also really enjoy and it was the first show was just i mean that was a dream Mm -hmm. that was a dream to to experience that and to not have the the dance recital clap but the real clap and so i said you know after the first song i was like we did it you know like and when i mean we did it i don't mean the three of us did it i mean us as a community our friends like something good is coming out of out of this community that I think will will reach and impact and help and and enjoy other people will enjoy so yeah that was uh like a, getting the rust knocked off and getting up to the Green Bay and, and playing in front of you know people up there is there a place in Appleton that you have your eyes on that you think would be a, a great place to, to play I like Chadwick's. I like yeah, Chadwick's. I play yeah. Chadwick's. They have bands. Yeah, I didn't know that. I played there once. It was, it was nice. And then, how do you feel about like a? You mentioned, I think Simon mentioned when, when you were playing, a, a while back, um, kids would come out more, teenagers and that kind of thing. Do you think Appleton is, in desperate need of a an all age venue? Do you think it would be something that would even take off? Did you shake your head? No, um, I, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Like, I don't, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just totally out of touch. But like Blue Moon Coffee, when it was in Menasha, maybe maybe it's still there. But when it was in that building on the corner, we would, you know, Jonathan's band, our band, it we would it would be so packed in there. The windows would just be full of steam. Mm, um, awesome. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Like I think the monkey wrench. Did you ever? Yeah, that yeah. was a kind of a short-lived. Yeah, venue in, in, the, in the Valley Fair Mall, right? Yeah, Brian yeah. something did that. I forgot the guy's last name, but that was really cool. It was cool to have somewhere to go when you're not 21. It was really cool to have. So I don't know if that's the reason. There's not. It doesn't seem to be a ton of younger bands. Um. But yeah, I think we could absolutely benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've made it to the uh, segment band reaction, where we play a segment from a previous guest, and then we get your reaction. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we did it. We made Uh-oh. it, Andy. This, this one is uh, on? from a band called Brother or Brother. Uh, they were oh, on a couple, couple oh, years ago, like two and a half guys. years ago. So we'll uh, we'll play we'll play the clip and we'll see what uh, what you think. All right. 
Reaction. Bank Reaction. How do you guys do the set list for your show? We don't. There's, yeah, that's that was a really easy one to answer. We don't. Uh, we have a set list probably like three shows a year. So occasionally we'll have to do these things that for a normal band would not be a big deal, I guess. Um, we're like, you know, the gigs where they'll pay you a bunch of money, but they want you to pay for, play for like two or three hours. Yeah. And they're like, th- that's fine if you've got like a big, you know, a big repertoire of music or you want to play a bunch of covers. And, th- and it, you can do that. But that's when we have to write a set list because we do have a bunch of songs. We've been doing this for a while. We've got a ton of songs. We could definitely fill three hours if we needed to. The problem is we have to, like, first of all, remember all of them and, like, know how to play them. So we, like, make a list of, like, all right, these are the songs we know we could definitely play. And then from that we try to build, like, a set list. And we'll take, like, a break between sets or whatever. Um, but those are the only times we really write a set list. Any Or if we're playing, like... You know, like, we played here last night, didn't write a set list for that, but we're playing again tonight in the same town. Then you're like, okay, we need to write a set list so we don't, like, play just accidentally the, the same, same set or whatever. So, um, in those occasions we do, but really we don't. It's a, And that's the beauty of a two-piece is Chris can be like, hey, I'm going to play this song. Or he'll just start playing a song, and I'll be like, all right, well, I guess that's what we're doing. There's been, I could count on one hand, the number of times where he started to play something or I've started to play something and the other one has been like we're not doing that that's not going to happen today like yeah yeah cuz we're like uh. I don't I don't know if I, I don't know if I could do it like it's never like oh, I don't want to play that song it's like I don't know if I remember that right now and there's been times we earlier on would write some set lists but like I always like am just looking at like kind of how the crowd was responding to certain stuff and so like pretty quickly we discover like well having these set lists is pretty pointless because like if if we feel like we need to change that we're just always going to change it yep. and warner at first like, I, I hated it. it would make like he did like i don't <laughs> I, I don't know if i was like nervous or what but i i, I, I needed the structure for whatever reason to, like, okay, i need life. to know what we're playing and he would not he would either not have one or like the worst would be he'd like have one give me a copy of it and he would completely go off like off base with it like not even follow it at all and that would drive me so crazy that at one point i was like don't even give me a set, set right. if you're if you're gonna talk if you're gonna do that and once we talked about it it, ma- it made more sense yeah. i was like look it's because i was like there'd be times of like all right this crowd is dead like, yeah they're dead and you're like we need a faster song we need here a faster or song or like one of us needs to go into the crowd and go do something like and so we're gonna go just do this now and now like we wouldn't have it any other oh, way oh yeah now it's the best i love playing with no set list what do you guys think of that? Um, so I'm a big fan of those guys. Those guys rule. Um, like they're super fun uh, to watch, and uh, yeah, I think it's cool. Like, I mean, I I don't care if I mean I like having a set list because I am a nervous wreck without one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to keep shouting over to Jonathan, "What's the next song?" <laughs> like, but but those guys are really talented. So mm. I mean, if they don't need a set list, that's great. Good for them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that theme song on Spotify? Can I download that? <laughs> that's, so, I mean, that's a banger. Yeah. Like, he, man, I, you must have really spent a lot of time <laughs> putting that together, Andy. He just that, told us it was five minutes. Oh! <laughs> five minutes is a lot of time. Are you, are you serious? We just talked about this. <laughs> so, set lists, I mean, something, yeah. I, I guess, uh, down the line when when you guys are doing like the 
you know, different sets, different places. Do you use set lists so far in the band, or you just call oh, them yeah. out as you go along? We do set lists. Do set lists? Yeah, for sure. In our two and a half show history, <laughs> we are like all about the set list. We don't have much material. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think all three of us, when we listen to music, we like to listen to albums. Um, so we're really into like the vibe of an album. And so when Jonathan is creating That's a great. set list, he's like, what's the vibe of the set list? Which songs go well together? How are we going to structure this to like make the flow of the music I'm, match this vibe? I'm glad you brought that up, Ben, because you guys, is the the end goal an album or are you going to do the EP or like a, just drip out singles for a while? Um, I think it's like maybe I think we're gonna get to see where it goes, dude. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we could be done tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think I think we're gonna try to record a couple songs, and if an EP comes out, an EP comes out. If an album comes out, an album comes out. If it's just another single, but you know, I I think what Simon said earlier is that we have really low expectations <laughs> of what's gonna happen. Yeah. It helps us be happier when things yeah. happen because <laughs> yeah. we didn't expect it. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys have anything in the works right now for any shows coming up? Yeah, we do. We have a show on the is it the fifth or the third? Third. I think the third. The yeah. third. It's Bizarre After Dark. Oh, cool. Where's in New London? And we're playing. I think we're we got the opening slot. Five p.m. Not Bragan. <laughs> Definitely not here to brag, but like New London, look out because we are the greatest. Not bragging. Have Have you enjoyed the, the shows you've played so far, like with Tay and the Neighborly, and just like getting to kind of meet other bands and kind of talk? I, I feel that would be probably one of the fun the fun things about getting back into shows again. Well, Andy, this is our best context. Yeah. Where where. You know, it's not necessarily playing music that we're the best at. Like, this is, we're way better at this. Or, or maybe we, we enjoyed this. Yeah, hanging, <laughs> at a, out. At, hanging out at like a whole different <laughs> level than playing music. But, yeah. you know, so it's great to meet you in this context when we feel like we're at our best. <laughs> but um, hanging out and, and talking to bands is spectacular. It's, yeah. It's it's kind of why we got into this. Yeah, because we, like, who are the two other people that yeah. could just talk about music all the time? Yeah. And that I like to hang out with. It's like, hey, you want to be in a band? Yeah. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, 12-year-old version of Simon? You want to be in a band with me? Simon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I didn't follow that. 12-year-old? You know, like you young. Me 12? Like it, it, oh, and it, I, like 12 years ago? Yeah, well, it's like the young, it's the young mentality of yeah. like, hey, do you want to hang out? Like, you want to come over? You want to be Like, friends? knock on my door and... and yeah. Sleep over? Yeah, exactly. You want to be want, in a band? You want like, to talk about... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We spend like an hour and a half hanging out before we even play music. We just like eat chips. <laughs> like Snacks. Yeah, snacks. Yeah. Yeah. Snacks are important. Yeah. And Thank you. <laughs> I completely agree. Jonathan, you've got a, a great podcast. Uh called what the flock yeah can you tell us a little bit about that um how did that get started what's the podcast about how can people find it that's awesome um this the the podcast is called what the flock and it's a podcast for people we talk about topics that have caused a lot of damage you know so much damage that people don't come to church anymore so that's where that's 
um, you know, Simon and I knew each other from a long time ago, but that's where, you know, Ben and Ben and us, we, we met in church and we got to know each other in church. And I would say that there's more people that are just burnt out on church and, oh yeah. And they used to go to church. They used to want to be a part of that. And they, they do not want to have anything to do with church anymore. And so a lot of us, like us here, like have a ton of really bad feelings from the history that we've had in the church. But we are fortunate to be in a community that kind of helped us repair that. So instead of going like, it's God's fault or it's, you know, the, the pastor's fault. Yeah, the pastor's fault or all of that. Like, we go, okay, let's focus on what we can do to help people heal from that mm-hmm. and learn from that and become more than from when that that break happened. Because I think a lot of us came into church for a lot of the same reasons why people start bands. It's like, I want a community. I mm-hmm. want to discover my purpose. I want to feel like I belong. I want to, I feel like there's something going on uh, that's beyond what I can see. And so this podcast, I think a lot of us start there. We get into a system that causes a lot of damage and a lot of abuse. And then we, of course, we don't want to be in that. And a lot of those topics that we cover are, those topics have, we've seen cause a lot of damage to the point where people are like, I don't want to go to church anymore. So, um, my my buddy, uh, my buddy, my uh, incredible, amazing friend, who I was an, an associate pastor with at a church, and him and I um, have known each other. Joel, Joel Swakowski is kind of my my sidekick in the show, where I host it, and then he we tackle these topics, and he kind of brings us through and teaches people like here's the answer and what he does is he'll give the answer that we kind of always felt like we wanted like we were, we always believed that was out there and he helps give that answer and, and i believe an answer that brings a lot of healing so we cover a lot of subjects that are pretty sensitive and um joel kind of walks through hey here's this side of the argument here's that side of their argument here's how I would handle conversations with this side and that side of the argument. And here's an answer that's neither side. Here's an answer that helped us. And essentially it's, here's the answer that helped us heal. Here's the answer that we felt like we we needed and we got it. And so we want to give that answer. Yeah. So it's Find a great it on YouTube. Yeah. So it's on Transistor. What the flock. I think what the flock dot Transistor. And people can watch it because it, you transitioned over to the video we have we have some in the interviews that we've done between the series we have some videos of that um but those aren't those aren't necessarily like episodes so the episodes are all like podcast style no video yeah that's i'd, I'd suggest people check it out i just started scratching the surface on the episodes and i'm really enjoying it i look Thank forward to, to continuing to, to check those out i want to talk about music of life church as well it's every Sunday. You guys meet at Copper Rock. That's right. Yeah, in the five, gallery. Five thirty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If people are interested in in seeing what that's all about, they maybe they listen to What the Flock and they want to check out Music of Life Church. They just show up. Do they need a reserve or do anything like that? Just Not at up. all. Yeah, just show up, please. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Well, it's the same thing where it's like we feel like we have this awesome community. The people that like 
you know, came to our first show, all of our friends and stuff. Yeah. But it's the reason the three of us like to hang out so much. Like, and we just want other people to experience that. So the first hour of church is just, it's literally just a hangout. Let's talk about our weeks. Let's talk, like get all the distractions out of our way so that we can turn the focus on what, whatever we're talking about that night, yeah. which is a lot of the stuff Jonathan talks about on What the Flock. That's a lot of what we do. Yep. So you're pulling a lot of a lot of ideas for shows for What the Flock from from these Sunday sessions, I'm guessing, or the o- the opposite. The opposite. Yeah, jo- Joel and I and 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 our producer, we kick around these ideas and we put together a series. And from that series, we're like, okay, let's no, let's. One of the things that Music of Life Church Appleton wants to do is is help people with their church damage and help people who've been hurt by church. And it's like, well, that's what what the flock is doing. What the flock is helping people with that. So it's like, why don't we just jank the topics? (laughs) And I could just talk about that. And it works. I mean, it's it's fantastic. And it's a I think there's a lot more um, there's a lot more storytelling at Music of Life Church Appleton, like Simon and I both will will preach, and there's a lot a, a lot of these heavy topics we share about our experience going through it and kind of what happened in our lives leading up to that topic. And yeah, yeah, it's a lot more like it's indirect, so it's not directly teaching about something. It's let's talk about this concept. This is how this has affected me, and this is what ended up helping me with it. You know. So that's yeah. that's and that's where we try to bring that healing. Yeah. So there's like you know, before I was involved with Music of Life Church and 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 that community, Simon was one of the people who you know I had known for all these years. And musicians, as I'm sure you know, are you know notoriously depressed and anxious and narcissistic and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> Not that we are. <laughs> <laughs> What does narcissistic mean? <laughs> and um, Simon was there and just became healthy and was healing. And it was like to see his life before and then after was just, it was unbelievable. So he's he just has an incredible story of, of what that looks like. And it impacted me and it kind of drew me as, you know, when I was off the road, to start to dig and start to look for some answers myself. And so that's, yeah, that's all we're trying to do. We want to help people, you know, kind of experience the life that I think we've had where it's wonderful to sleep. (laughs) It's wonderful to sleep. It's wonderful to, to be excited and, and to to be burdened by your own thoughts. Yeah, man, it is. It's like, I think that's what, I think the the life that we live is pretty beautiful and we just want other people to have that. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for letting us know about that. And again, if people are interested in finding out more, just stop by the Copper Rock at 530 on Sunday. That's right. Um, Thanks for asking. My pleasure. Right at the end of the show, let's talk about My Town quick. Um, that song, uh, Ben, you mentioned all the songs are written by Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about about my town, what what inspired the lyrics to the song, and how did the song kind of come together? What made you decide to, to record that song first and put it out there? 
Um, Simon and Ben made me. <laughs> they made me do it. They made me do it. They made me do it. <laughs> I didn't want to, but they're like, you have to do this. No. Um, we recorded it because it's our best song. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's it's how I feel about the town that we live in. The first time but when I wrote the song, I it was during Mile of Music and and I played it for Simon upstairs in the in the gallery. And so him and I we, I was sitting there with a the guitar and you know, it was just Simon and I and I played him this song while we were watching people like walk by in Mile of Music like upstairs and and it was this really special moment um and i think it's really kind of opening up and being real about how i feel about this town and and my experience with a lot of people here i think a lot of the desire to care for people and the people that are hurting people and it makes me very very upset and i think that came from a place of being frustrated and being honest about this is this is what I'm seeing. It's a lot of friends that we had that we grew up with that are absolute like I mean absolutely incredible people that we love and the the turn in their lives is just so sad. Um, and it's it's really painful to watch. It's painful to to ha- to you know to see them not again not be able to sleep and running around and miserable you know, whatever. So, and I think a lot of that came from how we were brought up and our experiences. And a lot of our friends had the same experiences we did, but we're not in the same position as as they are. So I think my town came from that place of just like, and, and Ben and Simon have really, like they've been super encouraging to just be honest and sing sing about what you know. He got done. He played it for me upstairs upstairs that night. He got done, and I was like, you need to get more angry more often. <laughs> this is the best song you've written. Yeah, and Simon was like, where did this come from? And I was like, anger. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a great track, and I can't wait to hear what, what you guys have coming up. And uh, You said it was June 3rd, Bizarre After Dark in New London. Yeah. So if, if you're interested in catching... Adama live. Go check him out June 3rd at Bizarre After Dark in New London. Thank you for joining us on Fox City's Core. Dude, this is a blast.